0: Welcome to Flip the Library, the Gwinnett County Public Library podcast. My name is Steve Thomas. I'm the Collins Hill Branch Manager.
1: And I'm Melissa Grimaud, Manager of the Snellville Branch. Today, our guests are Alex Olson and Casey Wallace of the Training Department. Can you introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your history at GCPL before you joined the Training Department?
2: Well, thanks for having us. Um, I am Casey Wallace. I'm the Training Manager here at Gwinnett County Public Library. I have been part of Gwinnett County Public Library for 15 years now and I started as a library associate. I began my career here training at Lawrenceville. I helped open the Decula branch which was a very magical time to help open a new branch as you can imagine. I worked at Buford for a bit and Collins Hill. During that time I finished my library degree and was fortunate enough to earn a promotion. And eventually I earned a spot up here in administration, um, working in branch services at the time. And then the training manager position became available and I really wanted it. So that's how I ended up over here. I think I've hit the tipping point where I'm beyond the halfway point of, am I a branch person or am I an HQ person? And I think I am well into HQ person territory now, but I have, um, a very fond, grounding, you know, very important background in branch work.
3: And I'm Alex Olson. Uh, I have been at GCPL for about seven years now. Uh, I started as a library associate at the Lawrenceville branch, and I was there for about two and a half years before I started um, actually splitting my time. I was doing 20 hours a week in the branch and 20 hours a week helping out with training, uh, which was kind of an Interesting um, way to work. And so I did that for a couple months and then was uh, promoted just to full time in the training department. And uh, I've definitely been in training longer than I've been at the branch at this point. So I have tipped over that way too. Um, But uh, the nice thing, I only worked at Lawrenceville, but once I joined the training department, I actually had the opportunity pretty early on to visit all of the other 15 branches which was really cool to be able to see all of them.
0: Um, kind of a, a, a larger picture question um, up next. Uh, what is the importance of having a well-trained staff?
2: I, I have several answers to this, which should surprise no one because I have several answers to most questions, but, you know, for many workplaces, an employee might be there a day, a season or a career. Right. Um, and, to offer training to employees is to support them into being the best that they can be in the workplace. Uh, If we're going to ask them to perform a service, if we're going to hold them to a standard, we need to be able to provide avenues that they can sharpen their skills or um, keep their skills sharp so they can feel supported in that way. And I take that very seriously. I feel like that's how I've been treated since I've been here. Um, I started my career here when I was rather young, um, and this has been the only library I've worked at, and it personally has meant a lot to me to have all of the opportunities that I've been given to learn and to improve. So I want to, as somebody who's in the training department, offer that to my colleagues and for us as an organization to have that reputation of that type of place to work. Also, I say this to quote unquote selfishly, um, it keeps us able to handle change. Uh, It keeps us stronger uh, when things happen to us and it keeps us ready to take on new challenges that are asked of us. Um, So there is a personal and a professional element to that kind of enrichment. Uh, I do think our library culture here has a strong sense of self. And uh, I, I, I don't know that you're going to find that everywhere. I I think that that is pretty unique to Gwinnett and I love being a part of that. And I really take that seriously uh, when I approach my work.
3: Yeah. And I would just add that, um, you know, we talk a lot about libraries staying relevant and a big part of that is that our staff are relevant as well, that they know the latest trends, they understand how to use the different technologies, which are always changing, sometimes faster than we can keep up with. Uh, so, you know, I, I always joke in new hire training about, uh, you know, when was the last time you visited Blockbuster? You know, if we don't stay relevant, we don't want to go the way of Blockbuster. And so the training department and helping staff stay trained keeps us relevant, not just in the materials and the services we offer, but in the way that we can actually help our customers.
1: That's a great point. And I like the point you made about GCPL's unique culture. As someone who's worked in other library systems, um, I can definitely attest to that. Um, And one of the things that um, I like about that we're so open to change is a few years back, we changed to a quarterly hiring cycle. Um, can you tell us about what benefits does that provide when
3: planning the new higher training sessions? Uh, well, definitely it allows us to kind of focus in on those dates instead of being maybe a little bit more scattershot throughout the year. So we can actually really plan in. Uh, we can make sure that, you know, all of our instructors are you know, ready to go, that all of our content is up to date, because as things change in the library, we often have to update our content, whether it's policy changes, procedure changes. Uh, So that gives us a little bit more structure when it comes to just making sure our our content is good. Uh, It's also nice to get people in their, ideally their first week, because they're usually excited for a new job. They're also nervous, but, you know, usually excited Uh, we can kind of create a very consistent welcome message and really set the tone of, you know, what they can expect from the library. And, uh, you know, the branches, of course, are very welcoming to their new staff. But, you know, we can help start that, uh, especially because people are often nervous on a new job. Um, You know, I think back to when I was hired, we were not doing quarterly training. So one of my customer service classes, I actually didn't have it until I had been at the library for nine months. And so while it was still a nice refresher, it maybe wasn't as meaningful if I had had it in even just the first month of being at the library. So being able to catch people when they first get hired is just, I think, really beneficial to getting that you know consistent GCPL message across.
2: By contrast, when I was hired, we did have block classes for new employees, and it cycled out of, to use the word cycle, cycled out of practice for many years, which is how Alex ended up with a different experience. So what we were able to provide was sort of a renaissance for that idea. And actually, I think we were able to deliver it in a way that hit the target, like it wasn't pushed out too far. When we're able to roll it out as intended, we're able to have it contained in a week and. Um, you know, have a a neutral space for people to figure out the workplace before they encounter all of the real world (laughs) questions and problems that come along with the job.
0: Since new hire training is obviously a really big task. Uh, can you guys talk about how you um, organize new hire training and have a, and talk about the new hire training team and how that's made up?
3: Yeah. So, um, We, in terms of the training team structure, uh, we wanted to be able to bring different voices into new hire training. Uh, You know, as much as Casey and I love doing training, we figure people probably want to hear from someone else every once in a while. And so we wanted also for people to have the opportunity to meet people in the branches at a variety of levels, not just supervisors, but also frontline staff. Uh, So it allows us to reach out to some of our experts in the system uh, that are particularly skilled at different areas like customer service or reader's advisory, whatever it might be. And so creating that team, um, you know, is a little bit of a mix of people that um, have sort of bubbled up to the top of attention because they're experts in a certain area uh, as well as doing auditions, which is something that we had done um in the beginning of 2020, when we had some open spots in the training team. So that way, those that uh, were interested could express that interest and have an opportunity to audition. And of course, keeping you know a little bit of a rotation on the training team allows different staff members to join and have those opportunities, not just to um you know, contribute to the training team, but also to sharpen their own skills because teaching and new hire training is a great way to practice. You know, your presentation skills, public speaking, uh, you know, passing on information to other people. So all of that is sort of that opportunity for our different team members. Uh, in terms of the way that you know we kind of structure the classes, it is honestly always changing. Every time we teach a new hire training group, it's a different experience because the people in the class are different. And so sometimes we find new and different ways to teach things, different activities we could do, better ways we can make the schedule flow. Uh, so we're always you know, kind of tweaking, sometimes in big ways, other times just small ways. But we try to make sure that we're covering all of the topics that are going to be important for new hires to know, especially when they first get started. And also that the topics make sense in the order that we put them. Um, You know, it would be maybe, for instance, weird to have a class about how to navigate a customer's account in leap if you don't even know who can even have a card to begin with. Uh, So we are always trying to make sure that that information flows in a really nice way that is understandable. It's still a lot of information for a week. So we're always trying to balance the how do we cover everything, but how do we also not, you know, make our new hires brains explode with too much information. So that's always a little bit of a challenge.
2: I think we really ultimately just want to give some sort of authentic voice alongside of facts, figures, policies, you know, those types of things. And also a safe space for somebody to be new, you know, and and be somebody who can look their best before they're on stage as I like to think of it, you know, when you're in front of your peers that know better than you and your your supervisor, like, you know, give them every opportunity to be successful.
1: Well, you guys explained the training process for our new hires, but training is an ongoing process for staff. How do you determine what your next focus will be or what you'll put in a newsletter to um, all staff?
2: Uh, Many times we look at topics and current trends brought to our attention, uh, usually by um, other people in the customer experience division or different supervisors that I'll talk to. Um, We really try to fill in learning gaps because we know that there's a strong training initiative at the branch level. We know that all of the HQ departments are specialized, so we're not the subject matter experts for them. So our job is to connect people with what they need to get to the information that they need. Sort of like your job is to connect the public with what they need. Um, At times it can be a little hectic because our turnaround times and our response times are much more flexible or they, they need to be much more responsive and flexible, I think, than the long-term planning that goes into maybe branch programming, for example. So our timetable sense is a little bit different when it comes to planning these things out. Sometimes if it's not an immediate uh, trend or focus, it might be, what have we not touched on in a while? What might be sitting aside that hasn't been reviewed in a while? Um, Do we feel like there's some dulling over here that could be sharpened? And so we'll look at those areas for review. Um, But there is a lot that goes on in our department that is unseen. And I'm sure that that's not a surprise. Uh, We do a lot of meeting with stakeholders, um, people who are making projects and initiatives and rollouts. uh, And they want to know the best way to communicate those out. Um, if they do need training, what is going to look like, um, if they need help formatting that, those types of things. So we do put a lot of energy into that, um, helping other departments craft what they send out, um, and and try to be of service to them as well. So it's very, um, interesting work to connect the dots between the branch side of life and the HQ side of life, and even just different departments within HQ. So I really love that point of view that we get in this office. We, we definitely see it all and it's kept it very interesting, which appeals to me. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, it's, it's a lot to keep track of and um, it, it's certainly, communication is so key to to keep ahead of all of it and um, make sure that everybody's getting something, you know, like we promote in new hire training, nobody leaves empty handed. Like we don't want anybody leaving our office empty handed, I think. And, and I do try to imbue that in our department culture anyway.
0: That's sort of talking about, you know, what you're going to talk about, but then how do you determine the process of, you know, what, how you're going to deliver that. So we know what you're going to deliver, but like, when do you bring in Ryan Dowd for an in-person thing? When do you use Google Classroom? When do you do in-person? So how do you kind of determine what, what your best delivery method is?
2: So sometimes it is, what is the size and what is the scope of what stakeholders have decided should go out? And that could be a department that is having changes in a workflow. Um, that could be, a department deciding on a guest speaker that could be we've been asked to liaise with a team who wants to push out some ask some training aspect of their initiative um, so essentially it's a needs assessment based on the information we get um, With uh, Ryan Dowd, for example, I know uh, he was very well received by staff and and I think of his training often. It was very well done. Um, That was a very uh, good example of just getting a recommendation um, and reading up on him through other channels and letting that steep. Sometimes uh, I, I think staff sometimes have frustration with this. It'll be like, well, I gave that idea a year ago you know, or, you know, that feeling of like, Hey, you know, that's been said before. We've seen that before. Sometimes things need to steep and, and they'll be thought of and enacted um, at various times and that's okay. And I think we can be the parking lot for some of those ideas sometimes. <laughs> and then they pop out at different times uh, when they, they might make sense to do so. Um But I guess uh, one thing I want to impress on staff is that we do listen, like we do take stock of the input that we get. And the way that we stay sharp here for staff is for people to tell us and let us know where they're at with their skills or what they feel is meaningful. Um, Knowing where we kind of fit in the mosaic of everything, because we are... um, You know, We we do play a role in the training experience during your career cycle here, um, but it won't be every role every time. Um, So I, I think the main thrust of what we offer is to just keep promoting the learning culture and support it the best we can in the different instances that arise. Alex, I think you can definitely speak more to the technical side of the delivery method like you know, um, she and I will take a topic and pick it apart and talk about, okay, if they need to know this, this, and this, you know, is, should it be a video? Should it be a classroom? Should it be a, uh, you know, is an email enough? Um, and that's kind of what I mean about size and scope, not even just who the audience is, but what does the training look like? What do we want to see before? What needs to be seen after to make sure that this is actually a learning project? And um, and then we, we kind of piece it together and, and go through that process. So um, Alex has a lot to say of the different resources she makes use of when we're um, putting these things together.
0: Yeah.
3: Delivering content is going to really affect how people engage with that content or retain it, which is, you know, something that is always a challenge. We can teach something, but whether or not people retain it and continue to use it is important. Uh, And I think, you know, there's obviously a big difference between something you teach in person versus something you teach online or something that's self-paced at, you know, the staff member's discretion. I think all of the branches are obviously discovering those challenges as they're trying to move, you know, to programs they maybe used to do in person and now have to do digitally. So there's a lot of consideration that goes into, you know, like Casey said, whether we make a Google Classroom, whether we create a video that's recorded, whether it's a live uh, meet or Zoom that people can attend. And you know, we do, I think ultimately think the most about what's the goal we're trying to achieve. And how best can we meet that goal when we put that information out? So sometimes, you know, we're talking about something, we're training on something that we know we're going to get a lot of questions about. So something like that's going to be better if it's more hands-on, if we have meetings, you know, not in person right now, but, you know, virtually if possible, or if it's something that's a little bit more straightforward than something like an email or a quick Google classroom might be just fine to convey that information. So, we really do try and anticipate um, what the information will mean to staff, what kinds of questions they might have about it, how it's going to affect, you know, their day-to-day job, especially, uh, and how best we can make the information, you know, easy for them to learn or convey and understand, uh, but also how we can fit into sort of their ever-changing schedules. Because we know if we schedule something in person, for instance, uh, that can be very challenging to try and get all staff into an in-person event versus something that can kind of just be done on their time. So a lot of that goes into considering, you know, what's the best fit. That sometimes uh, we have to, you know, shift things around because it's just going to work better for delivering it to all staff. Whereas we may have wanted to do it one way, but that's just not going to work. And a lot of that comes down to how quickly we need staff to learn the information, how much information there is to convey that kind of thing. So all of those kind of factor into those decisions.
0: Well I think you guys also do a good job of like when other departments need to get information out there. There's been a few times I know that there's basically the presentation is a recorded thing. It's like a screen share kind of thing. But often one of you will obviously be in the room with the person and you'll sort of prompt them every once in a while of of like coming from the staff's point of view of well don't they need to know this too? And just, I mean, sort of just, you know, um, help getting it so the staff understands what they need to know from this, which may be some complex process, but um, you do, I think, a good job of drawing that out of people who who are maybe not used to presenting.
2: Well, I really really appreciate that um, compliment. Um, I I have a lot of gratitude for several things. Um, Here, I'm going to butter up staff a whole bunch, right? Ready? Uh, I know that... We are fighting for your time. I do know that. And I know that we are asking supervisors to shuffle things around to make sure that their staff have time to to do what we're asking them to do. So a lot of the messaging and the initiatives and things like that that we and other departments are pushing out are a, a bit of a time grab. And how do you cut through the noise and the stress of it, all the things that are expected of frontline employees to do the work? So we have a lot of gratitude for the fact that people do follow through and are responsive to our assignments, even if it's not their thing. <laughs> so um, I, I I just do want to say thank you. It's kind of one of those things It's like, well, I have to do it anyway, you know, but like anything else, you know, the bare minimum is, is never really what you want. You, you do want engagement and you wouldn't want the bare minimum of you had to do it. So you did it. So um, I I do want to express that type of gratitude. And the other is just a little bit of empathy for the, um, the departments because I see myself in them sometimes of, of like just being the, the creator of a process and it's re- we're writing like even just writing a document like because I wrote a couple grants you know for a while in you know college papers even or you know any big project where you're creating a thing and also expected to be the editor and it's it's you have to either step aside from it for so long that you can come back with it with a fresh perspective uh, or you are too close to it and you can't see certain elements to edit. So I I try to provide a little bit of perspective for editing. Um, And I know Alex does too. And Alex does end up being my editor a lot of the time. So thank you. (laughs) We balanced each other very well. I'm sure that's evident to many people. Um, And I, I think it's like, kind of one of these exercises where if I go broad, she'll narrow me in. And if she is narrow, I'll broaden out her idea. And somewhere in the middle, it makes sense. And uh, that's kind of the secret sauce, I think, right? I don't know how, how you would describe it, Alex, but that's kind of what I think we do. That sounded pretty accurate, though. It was missing your usual animal
3: analogies. Yeah, I do. I,
2: I really do pull those in when I can get away with it, but I'm, I'm really holding back. I'm like on my best behavior for you guys. So.
1: (laughs) We appreciate it. (laughs) So this is the big one that you probably already expected. Um, But um, how did the pandemic affect how you do your jobs?
3: Well, I think the big obvious change is uh, we haven't really been able to do in-person training. You know, we've done a little bit, with new hire training. uh, And that was really at the end of last year. But for a large part of 2020, uh, we didn't do anything in person. And that presented some interesting challenges, because some things are just much better done in person than they are online. And so we had to kind of rethink some things. And, um, you know, also just while branches were adapting to, you know, having to do curbside service and virtual programming, we were trying to completely reassess what type of training we offered because all of a sudden the resources that staff were using were different. You know, we needed to all of a sudden know how to use Google Meet and how to record videos and what were important um, tips and tricks for doing that. So that was a, a huge adjustment in terms of the things that we focused on, changed a lot with the pandemic so that we could make sure we were, you know, supporting the new resources and new things that staff were being expected to do.
2: I do think it's given us an opportunity to lead in a different way. Um, Even something small like being on camera. You know, not that long ago, it would be completely acceptable to duck, you know, any kind of (laughs) representation of yourself on a screen. Um, you know, Oh gosh, I can't be Oh, in a video call. Like, you know, and that trepidation that goes with something like that and for it to become very normalized. I I do think that we helped lead some of that, um, and try to support people as best as possible with these new endeavors. Presentation practice comes to mind. We've expanded that to include video, um, either recorded or live, um, personally and this might be delirious optimism in the face of not deserving delirious optimism here but I do feel we have been supported and given opportunities uh, to support you I, I I feel like we could have easily been set aside as a an extra thing or you know something not of deserving of just if we had a different workplace culture, I think we would have been treated differently and I don't have that feeling. I, I feel like we've been a position for success uh, in our department and I try my best to share that out <laughs> with either the products we push out and by products, I mean like, you know, the trainings and the classrooms and the assignments and the newsletters and um, to cut through the noise and encourage people to participate in those things. Um, I think sometimes it's interesting to see the reactions to different types of assignments. Uh, somebody might love it. Somebody might hate it. Um, somebody might expect it to be very rigorous. Somebody might expect it to be, uh, easier and both reactions would completely surprise the other. <laughs> and, um, You know, to just try to meet people where they're at and um, help them, I guess, give the best uh, service possible in in the way that we can encourage that. But yes, as far as the nuts and bolts of it, it definitely has been a different experience, a lot more fluid, kind of uh, drifting feeling. But, you know, um, we managed to do an okay job, I think.
0: Yeah, we had that whole class of new hires who their first day was the day the library closed. (laughs) due to COVID. So they're going to have a, a unique history in the library.
2: I, that whole day, I'm sure the people listening who might have been in on that day, that whole day is that comic of the little dog with the coffee cup. Everything is fine. Like <laughs> that was that whole day. Um, I think it was not my birthday. I think it was my birthday too. Um, <laughs> that was, um, a day. That was a day. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: Well, um, to um, kind of wrap up, uh, is there something that you guys feel that the uh, staff may not know about your department?
2: What do you think, Alex? Um, I think
3: a lot of times staff sometimes think about us in terms of large scale, like system wide training, and, you know, that that's what we do because that is a large part of what we do. Um, And I think sometimes staff don't realize we can be a really great resource for just simple questions that they can reach out to us if they are not sure how to do something. You know, uh, I'll say for those of you that may know me a little bit better, I'm a huge nerd about all of the Google apps. I love all of them. I love figuring out every tip and trick that I can. Uh, and so there's been a few times where staff have emailed me questions because they are trying to do something and they don't know which Google app to use, or they don't know how to do it in, you know, uh, Google docs or with Google forms. And I love those kinds of questions because, you know, I can be like a little bit of a detective and try and figure out, well, how can we do this with, you know, what you're trying to accomplish? And so I, I think sometimes you know, just because we put out so much system-wide training that people don't realize we can just be a one-on-one resource when they're trying to use, you know, a particular technology platform or software or, you know, anything that they just might have, you know, from very simple questions to very complicated questions. And, you know, I personally love getting those because I can kind of interact a little bit more one-on-one, even if it is just through email. So, you know, I think that might be something that sometimes staff don't, don't always think to reach out to us.
1: Alex, your inbox is going to get flooded
3: with Google questions. I am totally fine with that because for any of the new hires that took the G Suite class that we used to offer and I used to talk about it and people would see my ridiculously organized type A inbox with color coding and labels and all kinds of stuff, they will know I'll be more than happy to answer their questions. Okay. Okay. Well, I actually do hope you get a a flood of questions
1: and thank you both for your hard work. Like I, I really appreciate, especially as a supervisor, trying how quickly you got everything (laughs) done because we were like, oh, we need a training for people to do while they're at home. How's that going to (laughs) happen? And there comes Casey and Alex to the rescue. So, um, you are appreciated and, um, I need to remember to reach out to you guys more just randomly. Okay.
2: You know where to find us. Yeah. <laughs> you know to find us. We, we don't hide. Um, but thank you so much. We really do appreciate being asked to be part of the podcast. That was really nice. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Have
1: a great weekend, everyone. You too.
0: Bye bye.
2: I don't like any of the answer that I just gave, so you can just cut this whole out. I hate it so much.